Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of The Chief Brief. As always, I'm your host, Jared McInnes. In March of 2012, some university friends and I drove down to Nashville. In the back of a bar, of which the name I can't remember, I saw a shadowy figure in the VIP section, and I'm sure it was Taylor Swift. I had had about 17 beers, and every single person I spoke to told me it wasn't, that it was actually, in fact, a male bouncer. But regardless, I yelled and yelled and yelled till that person waved at me, and that was the greatest moment of my life. Katie! And Wolfgang Puck shares his recipe for our apple strudel. Katie! So stay tuned, because we've got all this and more coming up in the next hour. Katie! What? Oh, well, never mind. And Kira, if you're listening... Of course, I'm joking. Our wedding was amazing and I love you. But because I know you've never heard an episode of this podcast, Taylor, if you're out there listening, it really, really was. We were both young when I first saw you. I closed my eyes and the flashback starts. I'm standing there on the balcony in summer And if that was the high point of my life on this earth, then I think it's fair to say that this Sunday was the lowest. I've had it with this dump! We got no food, we got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off! And on that note, we'll get into the Blitz. Week 8, 24-9 Broncos. Oh, it's not true. That's impossible. The offense looks absolutely anemic and apparently showed up with a bar of soap instead of a football because they have five turnovers. The defense plays okay for a team that has to stay on the field the entire game and is exhausted. This game was a wreck. So let's perform the autopsy. Notice anything strange? Stomach, liver, lungs? Nope, all fine. Doctor, they're all missing. Of course. Well, you know, that, that's obviously the first thing I noticed. Well, what, what I was pointing out is the, is the fact that there are no um, pieces of them left. Yeah, you know, so they're intact. Wherever they are, whole somewhere. That we can be sure of. Do you read her? Last week, I warned about the trap game. A trap game is essentially when a better team that you expect to win comes out, takes their opponent for granted, and is already losing the game before they even realize it. They fall into a trap of taking it easy, and they get into a hole that they can't climb out of. Smithers had thwarted my earlier attempt to take candy from a baby, but with him out of the picture, I was free to wallow in my own crapulence. I think you'd better drop it. But the old axiom was misleading. Taking the candy proved exceedingly difficult. This was not a trap game. This was just a bad game. I honestly think whoever we played, we would have lost this game because we didn't make smart decisions. They never ran away with it, we were never really out of it. There were just some awful decisions made in this game instead of sticking to what we do best. Casey had more total yards, more passing yards, pretty much the same completion percentage, 
We actually outsacked the other team and had more pressure on the quarterback. We didn't win in terms of rushing yards, but we did have more yards per attempt on our rushes. We just lost the war of attrition and again made some questionable decisions that I think ended up costing us the game. But let's go piece by piece, starting with the defense. The defense played great, honestly. There was a notable gap up the middle where Nick Bolton, who's an absolute rap tackle machine, would normally be pretty good at stopping the run game. Willie Gay stepped up. Again, sometimes we come out with a two middle linebacker set, and without both those guys there, they chipped and chipped away for big yardage and eventually whittled us down. But the team stepped up huge. They only allowed two scores into the fourth quarter. With this wide receiving core, too, whenever Russell Wilson's having a good game, it's going to be really hard to stop. And it's dangerously good. Be careful, though. It's spicy. I've said it for years that if you took Patrick Mahomes and put him on the Denver Broncos with all the talent that they have on the outside, they might win a Super Bowl. You're Daryl Strawberry. Yes. You play right field. Yes. I play right field, too. So? Well, are you better than me? Well, I never met you, but... Yes. So Legereus Sneed ends up taking three pass interference penalties, but honestly, against this team, and when he's exhausted from the turnovers and being on the field all night, it's actually not that bad. The only two times they really burned our guys were immediately following turnovers. So this is where they strip the ball from us, and then we miss one tackle. There are two tackles, right? Who drops the ball? Whoops, he has time to pick it up and dust it off and run in for a touchdown before our guys even know what's going on. Unfortunately, both of these plays did lead the touchdowns, and that was the difference. And honestly, I'd still take our two starting quarterbacks over any other team in the league. Sneed and McDuffie play such good, tight coverage that has completely changed our defense this year, and it's allowed our safeties to come into the box and act less like a last-line-of-defense safety net and more run stopper and more hard pressure, uh, which is what we're going to need with Nick Bolton out. And speaking of the safeties, in a week where we thought Justin Reed might actually have to make a field goal, we saw him block one, and I know the whole sideline was screaming at him being offside, and I'm not sure if there was just really good game footage and they were essentially tipping something they were doing, but if you look at it, he jumped it perfectly. It was a legal play, and a hell of a play it was. Special teams, uh, just quick, Tommy Townsend might be the most underrated punter in the game right now. He pinned them multiple times. They just ran their way out of it. Bucker did what Bucker always seems to do against these teams and stepped up as our only offense, scoring all nine points. And McCole Hardman, man. We found Wonderland. You and I got lost in it and we pretended it could last forever. Uh, I look like an idiot today. I'm not a smart man. But give me just a minute here to save my ego, if nothing else. McColl is a big playmaker, and I stand by that statement. He is a difference maker on this team. But you can see it in his eyes when he fumbles that ball that ends up potentially costing us the game. He looks upfield just for a moment when he should be focused on catching the ball in front of him. Because he knows, well... I got to be the one to make the play in this game. I got to do something here to win us this football game. So, McCole, I get it. It was just a mistake. I'm not going to hold it against you, and I still love you. But, man, that seemed to be the theme of this game. 
let's just do the simple thing instead of the crazy thing. And that will lead us to the offensive play calling, which I am furious with this game. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes. No. No? Sir, sir, uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is uh, it? No, not right no, now. No, it's not fun anymore. No. Not even a little bit. After the game, Patrick Mahomes came out and said that he had the flu. And I'm not making excuses. In fact, I'm actually making the opposite at this point. Because we all know about Michael Jordan's flu game. And Patrick Mahomes is supposed to be Michael Jordan in this league. So that's not an excuse. Great players are supposed to do great things. Zig, 22 town cap. Snap count, what's the snap count? Famous, would you make the call already? And Patrick Mahomes with the flu is still better than probably 50% of the quarterbacks in the league. But I'm pretty sure someone on the coaching staff, when hearing about this flu, decided to go down into the basement wipe the dust off an old playbook and bring it upstairs and on that playbook it said for alex smith because i'll tell you right now this was not the offense i have seen for the last six years screen passes dump passes it looked like it was completely designed for a different quarterback and i get it if patrick mahomes is sick and not feeling himself you can't expect him to do the things that he could normally do but this wasn't working, and they didn't change the game plan. They just kept doing the same thing. How in a game when you're trying to protect your flu-ridden quarterback does he end up getting sacked more than any other game this season? It honestly looked like the Buccaneers Super Bowl, running around like a chicken with his head cut off, just trying to stay alive. And also, how do you let him go back out there with a bleeding hand? That's a $500 million quarterback. Oh, hey. yeah, the guy in the, the $4,000 suit is holding the elevator, but the guy doesn't make that in three months. Come on! I get that Patrick Mahomes has to win us football games, but we gotta take some of the load off his shoulders, no? Well, I'll just have to go to my backup plan. Nelson, how's your arm feeling? Great! Good. Take this note over to the referee. We forfeit! And honestly, Patrick himself didn't play that bad. His completion percentage wasn't awful, and the two interceptions he did throw, one was a fourth and a thousand in garbage time on a desperate Hail Mary, and the other was an unbelievable play by Jaquan McMillan. But other than that, he completed a lot of the passes he was supposed to, and sure, he didn't play as great as he normally does, but when you look at the stats, the thing that really stands out are his yards per attempt. He was making the plays that they designed. They were just the wrong plays. They threw too many screen passes, too many three-yard checkdowns where we expect a wide receiver to make a block for a different wide receiver. And honestly, it might have had something to do with Patrick Sertain too, who was draped all over Kelsey. But again, Kelsey can't be our only option. The man has only one look for Christ's sake. Blue steel? Ferrari, Latigra, they're the same face! Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! I could talk forever about this game, but I'll break it down to one thing. Isaiah Pacheco. On the first play from scrimmage, Pacheco broke off a 19-yard run. Honestly, I was excited. I thought, okay, let this be Pacheco's game. Let's rest Mahomes, because yes, we should beat the Broncos, 
Let's work on the run game. Let's get back to fine-tuning the part of this offense that I fell in love with before Patrick Mahomes. And then we just completely forgot about him. On our first trip to the red zone, on third and goal, we did a shuffle pass to Rasheed Rice. Not even Travis Kelsey, who proved last game that he's strong enough to run through the line in that situation. And they stopped us, so we kicked a field goal. And then later in the game, on third and two, in the red zone, what do we do? We throw it to the side of the screen pass, and that doesn't work. Yeah, you've got to help us, Doc. We've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas. Give the ball to the man that you pay to run the football. There's an old, terrible, misquoted cliche that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And that is my least favorite saying and I hate it, but nothing could apply more to this situation. And all Matt Nagy had to do was look across the field and see what their running backs were doing to us, four yards at a time, chipping away and beating us. And honestly, Pacheco had more yards per rushing attempt than the Broncos did. So why did we only run the football eight times all game? Eight. He didn't get double digits in carries. And do you know the only other time that Isaiah Pacheco didn't get double digits? It was game one against the Lions, where he had eight carries and our only other loss. It's me. I am the problem. It's me. It's me. I Dumb coaching cost us this football game. And with that, I will take it into the top five, the reason I fell in love with the Kansas City Chiefs, the top five running backs of my lifetime. Number five is Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen joined the Chiefs with Joe Montana in 1993 and continued to run for them until 1997. Although a Hall of Fame running back, some of his more volatile years were behind him, never managing to crack the thousand yard mark as a Kansas City Chief. However, that didn't stop him from being an ultimate red zone threat. Third all-time in rushing touchdowns for the Chiefs with 44 in significantly less rushing attempts than his nearest competitors. Number four. Number four is LJ, Larry Johnson. Larry! 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 Rushing for the Kansas City Chiefs from 2004 to 2008, he's third all-time in rushing yards. Really, it comes down to two seasons for him. Only twice in his career did he break the 1,000-yard rushing mark. However, in back-to-back -back seasons in 2005 and 2006, he managed to crack the 1,700-yard rushing mark and 2,000 yards from scrimmage when you include receiving. With 21 and 19 total touchdowns in those respective years, you can see why this guy's firmly entrenched as my top four running back in Chiefs history. Number three is fun. Number three is Christian Okoye. Christian Okoye, nicknamed the Nigerian Nightmare, was a running back for the Chiefs from 1987 to 1992. Twice in his career did he break the 1,000-yard mark, and he's third all-time in Chiefs history with 40 touchdowns. Not impressed? Well, you have to remember that coming from Nigeria, Krishna Okoye didn't learn how to play football until age 23. Now, it used to be 
I ran to get where I was going. I never thought it would take me anywhere. He didn't like it. In fact, he didn't even try to play football until the Nigerian government disallowed him from participating in the Olympics as a track and field athlete. In 1989, he rushed for 1,480 yards and averaged 98 yards per game. The man didn't play high school or college football, and at the time of his retirement was the Chiefs' all-time rushing yards leader. Number two is Priest Holmes. I often tell people that Priest Holmes is the reason I'm a Chiefs fan. That's not entirely true, and that's a story I'll get into on another day. But this guy was electric. Four times he rushed for over a thousand yards as a Kansas City Chief. He is the all-time touchdown leader by over 20 touchdowns. And in 2003, he set the then NFL record for rushing touchdowns in a season at 27. Three times this guy's been on the Hall of Fame ballot and never even made it to the semifinals, which is an absolute travesty when you consider that he's averaging 93 yards per game over his career. And finally, number one. Number one is Peyton Hillis. Yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. No, I'm totally kidding with you. Number one is Jamal Charles. From 2008 to 2016, Jamal Charles was the Chiefs' offense. Plagued by injuries, in every full season he ever had with the Chiefs, he had 1,000 yards rushing and over 1,300 yards from scrimmage. 44 total touchdowns in that span, and for the first eight years of his career, he averaged over five yards a carry. He's a freak. He's a fast kid alive. This is not good. He's a fast kid alive. Fast kid alive, my ass. Come on, what, what are we going to do? This guy, if he had stayed healthy, might be the greatest chief in the history of the game. And it's always fun to look at stats like that. The what-if stats, right? The circumstantial stats. For example, Travis Kelsey's stats. If, or if not, Taylor Swift comes to the game. And so on that note, let's get in to the big red rant. And I can't breathe For a long time, I've been a pretty big Taylor Swift fan. And for an even longer time, I've been a pretty big Kansas City Chiefs fan. So, I'm probably loving this, right? No, I really like peanut butter. And I also really like steak. But those two things have no business being on a plate together. Okay, go. I gotta ask. The girl from the Xerox place, buck naked. Or, or a big tub of jam. Put your hands together. And that's how I feel about this Taylor Swift thing. Come on, it's getting ridiculous. And I know, I'm doing it too, but there's a subtlety to it, okay? If you want to cut to her a couple times, sure, do your thing. But you're not getting NFL fans interested in Taylor Swift. All you're doing is distracting. And the Kansas City Chiefs 
had enough distractions on the Mahomes front already. As a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I can honestly say we're not the ones pushing for this. I'm not taking your stuff, okay? The government is. It's not, it's not like I'm taking your stuff over to my place or something like that, all right? So don't get mad at me. Okay, so at the end of the game, when the Broncos win and they're taunting us by playing Taylor's music, you're not sticking it to us. We're sick of this. This is the NFL's agenda. And so if the NFL wants to push that agenda on us, why don't they do it on another broadcast? We have the Manning cast. Why don't we just have a little Taylor vision or Taylor's version of the game? That way, every time we play, we can have a special little channel where if a Swifty wants to just watch Taylor, they can. You'll get your viewership, and I won't have to put up with the horrible puns and the cringiness of trying to make this all fit together. Last year, though, he was sixth in the American League at hitting right-handers he was facing for the first time after the seventh inning at home. So that's something to keep in mind. Don't give me stats about Travis's performance when Taylor's there because there's 11 years of stats when she's not there and he was fine, okay? Let's stop making this something it's not. I don't ever remember Cleveland Cavaliers games when Kim Kardashian was the biggest thing on the planet that we were talking about how Tristan Thompson was playing and... I've watched a million baseball games that cuts to Kate Upton just briefly, doesn't talk about her, doesn't compare Verlander's stats to her. So let's cut this out. It's exactly how I feel when you're watching a Blackhawks game and Bedard's sitting on the bench and the team scores, but they cut to him instead of the guy that scored the goal. I don't care. Stop trying to force me to feel something about something. I know he's the next McDavid, he's the next Crosby, but he doesn't want that camera on his face in that moment, and you're just trying to force things. Are you nuts? The thing fits in there perfectly. Look, he's fitting right now. The kid's not playing fantastic right now, and I wonder why, with all the pressure and the cameras on him, when he's not even on the ice. That's exactly how I feel about this Taylor Travis stuff. It's time to keep church and state separate, okay? If you want to talk post-game about her, that's fine. But when it's third and eight and Travis Kelsey is on the field, please don't cut to her eating nachos. I want to watch football. And I promise, I'm probably one of a few people that's qualified to talk on both of these behalfs. And I don't like it. That's, 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 you know, I know what you're doing right now, mm. and I don't like it. So why don't you just shut your trap before I put my foot in it? The NFL is not equipped to do this. It's not subtle. You have a bunch of 50 and 60-year-old former player analysts that know nothing about Taylor, and then you throw them some notes and they try to make everything piece together. How do you do, fellow kids? What? Make a Taylor cast, okay? Make it. You'll get your viewership, and I'll get my football back. As for the pod, I'm going to keep it casual like I have been. Yeah, I'm going to do my funny jokes and my subtle nods, but I'm not going to draw any actual comparisons or any linear relationships. It's his freaking girlfriend, and he's a football player. Every football player has a girlfriend. Who cares? And on that note, 
let's get to some arrow headlines. The Chiefs signed Darius Harris, former Kansas City Chief linebacker, uh, more of a special teams player with his tenure with us, just to pump up the linebacker core a little bit. Obviously, with Nick Bolton being out for like two months, it's a massive blow to the team. But also on that front, Willie Gay missed practice and is questionable for the upcoming game, potentially needing a trip to the IR. This could be devastating for our rush defense. And although Leo Chanel stepped up last game and looked phenomenal, and Drew Tranquil is a pretty good replacement without our number one and two middle linebacker, this rush defense is going to start to look like rush defenses in previous seasons. And wide receiver Richie James looks to rejoin the team soon. Hopefully he won't play another offensive down for the rest of the year. Because it means, if he does, that all of our wide receivers got hurt. Or they're giving him another shot at returning punts. Which he was horrific at. And speaking of wide receivers, the deadline has passed. And the Chiefs did not make a move for that top wide receiver that Patrick Mahomes needs. Honestly, I'm not surprised. The talent out there was either a divisional rival or on a team in contention. Uh, it didn't look like we were going to be able to get a piece for cheap. And I don't want to give away our draft capital or any of our young defensive talent. So here we are, kind of stuck, but pretty much in the same boat we were last year when we still won a Super Bowl. So as we look ahead to week nine in Frankfurt, Germany, against the Miami Dolphins and public enemy number one, Tyreek Hill. Man, this one's gonna be crazy. I'm expecting an absolute offensive shootout. And to be honest, uh, I'm kind of happy that they're gonna be coming off of some Broncos frustration because this is not a game that you wanna be sleeping for. Uh, it's pretty easy to fall behind the Dolphins quick, and if you're in a hold of those guys, it's likely you're not climbing out of it. So let's end today's podcast like we always do. Put it up on the clock. 13 seconds for the 13-second drive. Check that. Let's make it 10 seconds. Let's have a special guest appearance today. I can count to 10 in German. Do it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Go Taylor. How to beat the Dolphins. Ready? Go. Trent McDuffie versus Tyreek Hill. This microcosm is the entire game. If he gives him too much space, he's going to catch a ball in the flat and take it for 80 yards. And if he plays him too tight, he's going to burn him. So ultimately, it comes down to trade player versus trade player. Let's go. Final predictions here. Chiefs 36, Dolphins 28 in an absolute shootout. Here's hoping I'm right. And here's hoping I see you here next week. Everybody, have a good night. All right, how about, the, how about let's just give him one, okay? All right, how about those? Right. Hey, great job, great job today. Way to find a way to get a win. Yeah. A ton of stuff we can clean up. Let's get ready to go for this next week, baby. Chiefs on three, one, two, three. Chiefs! Chiefs.